Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. So we are. We've been talking about topics in the Lutheran Witness this month. Mm-hmm. Another great article. Seems like you know fun education theme this month. So yeah. we're going to zero in on that. <laughs> talking about Sunday school. Joining us today is Lisa Clark, senior editor for Curriculum Resources at Concordia Publishing House. Lisa, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. Always great to be here. It's been a while since we've chatted. Yeah, it has. I don't remember that. I think you were on the ladies' lounge last. Uh, I was. Ladies' lounge is my last time here. That's right. So Sunday school today, and we're not actually having a Sunday school lesson today, correct? Are we? Are we sitting I mean, there we, for a Sunday? School? I suppose we could. Does this involve flannel graphs? <gasps> you know, yes, <laughs> yes, always a flannel graph. That's Once a the, teacher, always a teacher, right? Come that's on. the fun trivia okay. question for today. <laughs> when was flannel graph flannel graph first introduced into Sunday school? Ooh. I don't know the answer. That would so. be a great question. Either. Yeah. My first memory of flannel graph was I visited my grandma, who was a teacher at then St. John's Lutheran in Ellisville, Missouri, and she had this whole box of flannel graph kind of stuff. It was great. Yeah. It's amazing. Why do we instantly think of flannel graph when we think of Sunday school? That's a great question. (laughs) So flannel graph only goes back to what, like the 50s, maybe? I don't know. But Sunday school goes back much further than that. It does. How far back are we we talking? We're We're looking at about 250 years or so. Well, more than that, because we're actually in 2022 now. But (laughs) the fun thing, I guess a good point of reference is Sunday school started about the same time that America did, really. When you look at it, Robert Ray who was alive during 1736 to 1811, started Sunday school in the late 1700s. And that was, what, with the Anglican Church? Yeah, so the... Great Britain, United Kingdom, whatever they were calling themselves at that moment, had rules about who could teach, who was allowed to teach. And and they lifted some rules because for a while, only people from the Church of England were allowed to teach at all. And when that changed, Robert Rakes started the first Sunday school. And it was more than just biblical learning, but that was certainly a big part of it. And he really had a kind of a moralistic (laughs) motivation behind it. He He had four teachers teach and they were paid at the time, and it was on Sundays, with reading, writing, and religion. And the idea was, well, if we also teach them religion and Bible, then we're raising up good citizens. <laughs> so what was what was kind of the whole point behind teaching those first Sunday schools? Yeah, education just wasn't actually available to everyone. And that was <laughs> one option for kids to be able to come on Sundays and to have kind of your very basic education. So yeah, it was, it was definitely an approach to teach them a great number of things. And of course, it has evolved quite a bit mm-hmm. in the past two and a half centuries. Mm-hmm. So Sunday school started in the UK. It made its way to the United States. What do we know about Sunday school making its way to the United States. One of the things is you just with anything that's new, there are some people who get really excited and some people who are not. Um, why, why is this a change? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Who can teach and why? America had a little bit more of a public education system starting to happen at that time as well. So different denominations really had differences to it. It's interesting to note that other European countries, it didn't catch on for whatever reason as much. But in America, it did grow 
largely or grow、mm, significantly as it did in England.、Mm-hmm. So when did when did the Lutheran Church kind of tag on to all of this? Well, I think similar to other church bodies, there were individual churches that were kind of grappling with this. There were some churches who said, "Well, this shouldn't happen at church. This needs to happen at people's houses."、Mm. And a lot of it had to do with who was training and who was being trained, and whether these teachers were certified or not,、mm-hmm. whether or not they. They were considered able to teach theology. All、mm. those kinds of things, all those kinds of questions. And again, this is not just Lutherans. The Lutheran Church it was taken on by actual schools. Or excuse me, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Individual churches, as opposed to again, large, a synodical kind of thing. Until later, let's see if I have. We have the okay. I've got my year here. The Sunday School Union in general was 1824, but the Lutherans had a Lutherans in America, a Lutheran Sunday School Union in 1830. So that's when it was much more official, if you、yeah. will. Always a, a an organ. That was the the time of organizations. Yes, <laughs> yes, and that's definitely I think a key in why Sunday School was successful for、oh. a period there too, because programming and organizations、yeah. and unions, all those kinds、thing. of things. It was a whole thing. Yes. <laughs> What was that relationship like between the Sunday School, the Sunday Education, and the Lutheran School、yes. at that time? Was that a weird a weird thing? It definitely was a question that schools and churches had because. If you have a Lutheran school, what does it mean to have a Sunday school?、Mm-hmm. And one of the things that a lot of churches saw Sunday school as is kind of a really an outreach program、mm-hmm. that they would have kids from all over the neighborhood. Maybe they go to public school as opposed to the Lutheran school, but they can come on Sundays for Sunday school. So that was something that was kind of unique. And some of the Sunday school numbers were larger than the Lutheran school that they they were working with as well. So that was largely the way that Lutheran churches were looking at it. In fact, <laughs> even back at that time, there were different groups of Lutherans who came from different countries,、mm-hmm. and some of the Lutherans were saying, "Hey, we like public education," whereas the Saxon Lutherans <laughs> really liked to have Lutheran religious education for day school. But they did respect that the Sunday school at the time was taught in German,、mm-hmm. and so they liked that idea of being able to learn language as well. And there's I mean, that says something about.、It. You mentioned the Saxons.、Mm. Uh, the fact that Sunday school was taught in German was that a, an issue? Was that a? a... <laughs> of course. <laughs> And, yeah, and I course, say that、right. flippantly. Of、right. course, what what I mean to say, of course, is that yes, in the night. 20th century, the 1900s, the issue of language was an issue for the Lutheran Church on all fronts. You know, what, what do we sing our hymns in? What do we write our devotions in? You know, so Concordia Publishing House, of course, had to grapple with that constantly,、mm. and so they would often have res- some resources in French. Excuse me, German, some in English.、Uh, who knows? Maybe French too. <laughs> no, the 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 language that was used was definitely a conversation, and so they had to start seeing okay. What are churches teaching Sunday school in? What language? And, and CPH had to deal with that and make sure that they were using resources that helped the Sunday school. Of course, the World Wars were the reason why German was used less and less. So certainly, within the past hundred or so years, English was the predominant language for that.、Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there were many aspects to that that controversy or that question about going from German to adopting English as、mm-hmm. the the primary language for teaching religion for teaching Sunday school. It's my understanding that one of the big concerns about 
translating from German to English is that a, a fear out of what might be lost in translation mm. and what what That's valid right what might <laughs> be yeah. what might be lost in in translation from something that's so theologically rich like teaching the bible teaching from the you know understanding the lutheran confessions and what might be lost in that even the catechism oh, um, sure. going from german to english it, i don't know if it was so much i mean maybe it was so much about we love our language so much we want to hold on to it but maybe the questions about what would be lost in the process so I, i'm sure there were questions then and challenges in this adopting Sunday school and then the language challenges as well. What else do we know about Lutheran churches adopting Sunday school? How did it how did it grow from there? Yeah, in 1920 we have record that 100,000 students were enrolled in LCMS Sunday schools. In 1940, more than 280,000 students were enrolled. That's kind of crazy to think about. Hmm. There was a time where there was actually a convention to have Sunday school teachers come and learn how to teach Sunday school. So there was definitely, again, we were talking about the era of programming. (laughs) There was definitely this idea of let's make sure that our teachers have tons of training and there were plenty of meetings and assessments. There were assessments that would go on. You know, I'm thinking about even... This was of the teachers, but of course, students too. There were things like, you know, you get pins for things that you learn and all of that. Those great vintage Sunday school pins that you may still find here and there. Mm-hmm. Those are like, those are antiques now, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you find those, that, treasure those, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> so we've talked about the some of the challenges that, that faced Sunday school and then how it was growing. What are some of the success, successes that, that we've seen? Uh, along the way of of Sunday school being adopted and, and growing, you, you mentioned the numbers there. Anything else that that marks the history of Sunday school before we get into what it's become today? Yeah, I think it was just a wonderful tool to love your neighbor. You know, to especially if Sunday school was an outreach. A tool, then they were able to teach children God's word that may not have otherwise heard it from a Lutheran church setting. We're talking about Sunday School today with Lisa Clark. She's senior editor of Curriculum Resources at Concordia Publishing House, taking a look at the article, Teaching the Word, Sunday School Through the Years, in the September issue of The Lutheran Witness. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. We'll be right back in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Gulseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are taking a look at the topic of Sunday School in Teaching the Word, Sunday School Through the Years, an article in the September issue of The Lutheran Witness. Our guest today, Lisa Clark, she's Senior Editor for Curriculum Resources at Concordia Publishing House. We've talked a little bit about the, the history of Sunday School leading up to what, the early now 1900s? Where did we go from there, early 1900s? And and we've talked a little bit about Concordia Publishing House and some of the challenges with languages. Do we know where Sunday School became an important part of the work of Concordia Publishing House as well? 
Yeah, in the 1910s, CPH began publishing these leaflets. They were lithographed. There was, again, this debate at the time, you know, do we need Lutheran Sunday school curriculum? Mm. Because there was some doubt about that. But the president at the time, as well as other church leaders, were starting to visit other churches and starting to realize that, well, these churches are finding curriculum somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and there was a big variety of where they were finding it. And so... um, with a heart for giving children confessional, biblical materials from a Lutheran perspective. That was what finally was the impetus for creating those leaflets. Shortly after that, the Sunday School Teachers Quarterly appeared. And so that was, of course, a periodical to help teachers and equip them for teaching the faith as well. Does that quarterly still exist? Well, there was a time <laughs> where we called it Teachers Interaction. I'm pretty sure that was the oh. evolution, and that's been around. Now we do more blogs and things oh, yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Of course, mm-hmm. the internet. Yep, internet of happened. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Facebook groups, too, right. so people can oh, There is a Sunday School Teacher Facebook group. There is. Yeah, it's really fun because people will say, hey, I have a question about X, and people are there ready to help. Yeah. So speaking of all of that, do you, do you know anything about how the curriculum at CPH has evolved since 1910. Oh, sure. Have you actually seen this curriculum? Is it in the editorial library? Well, I've seen pieces here and there, (laughs) and it's really interesting to see the different things that were emphasized, not so much in, in... terms of doctrine, but in terms of tools for the teachers. Mm. You know, I'd look at some of these lesson plans and they were more like, here's the standards and here are the objectives and here you go. And I'm like, whoa, all right. right." (laughs) Um, Just kind of throw the teacher in there. No, it it was good. Uh, The art, of course, beautiful art. I have a small little story. Stephen Starkey, who many, many of you know as a wonderful hymn writer Mm -hmm. and pastor, and he just retired as a pastor. So he was clearing out his office. And in his office, he had a three-piece three Sunday school leaflets that were the leaflets of his era. I don't know if they were actually his Sunday school leaflets, but he had them framed. And then he saw me one day and said, would you want this? And I thought, Sunday school leaflets from Steve Starkey? Of course I do. Um, So I have those in my (laughs) office. So I get to see some leaflets every day, actually. And it's just kind of fun to see what has changed over those years. You know, I've been a part of Growing in Christ, which was the curriculum right before the one that we're using right now, which is Enduring Faith. And yeah, it's just kind of neat to see how different lessons have changed over the years, for sure. As a mom, as an Mm -hmm. educator, and an editor, (laughs) what's been important to you? Why has it been, I mean, a a personal investment of blood, sweat, and tears in Sunday school for a while now. Definitely. I think one of the most important things for me to keep in mind is one of the reasons why we have Sunday school really is to love our neighbor, to to be able to teach the faith, the to pass the faith on to the next generation and to do that in a way that helps the teachers of today teach the kids of today because the way that Sunday school teachers and volunteers help are different from the ways that Sunday school teachers did maybe decades ago. And, you know, the lives of some of those volunteers, they volunteer in six or seven different things, plus they have jobs and all those other kinds of things. And so those kinds of demands are happening. Certain demands on what kids already know is certainly important as well. So we're trying to find ways to teach the richness of God's word in ways that are accessible, not only for the kids, but also for the volunteers. Some of you have heard me say this before, but whenever I think about teaching the faith, particularly to kids or just anyone who needs to hear God's word in an accessible way, if you think of the gospel of John, I think it's just such a great example of we have, you know, 
right at the very beginning of Gospel of John, we have words like word, light, beginning, flesh, world. Not too difficult of words. But when you think of those first verses of John 1, they are huge and deep, and you could write an entire dissertation (laughs) on just the first few verses of the Gospel of John. And so what we try to keep in mind, especially right now, is we want to make sure that kids hear rich God's word, you know, the truth of God's word, but using words that are easy to understand. Mm -hmm. You know, it's often so easy to use words that we're used to. We can say justification and sanctification and incarnation and all those kinds of things. But if we don't take time to unpack them, you know, we're not necessarily teaching. So there are times where we might want to use words or activities that are more engaging with people who don't necessarily know the faith as much as maybe they might have been well-versed in the past, but still give them the clarity and beauty of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So how has the curriculum changed since you've been you've been working with it? Yes, I think some of the changes, particularly with Enduring Faith, has been after we've listened to churches say, you know, we might have a volunteer, four different volunteers teach the a certain level mm-hmm. and they just kind of alternate. They don't always have as much time to go over some of the material. And, but really part of it had to do with the student materials. They were saying things like some of these kids are going through school and they're having a hard time at school. And then we're talking, calling it Sunday school. And then we're giving them activities that look like school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it can get overwhelming. And so one of the challenges, again, is to find ways to make Sunday school not feel quite so much like school and yet still give them depth. And so at a glance, sometimes it might look like, oh, all we're doing is a discussion right now for the next 15 minutes, or now we're only working on this particular craft or or what have you. But what we want to do is make um, sure that what they're learning is actually great and deep and not necessarily just fill in the blank kind of things in the past that might have been daunting to kids. And certainly not to say that we have let go of the rigor of what we're trying to talk about, but definitely make a wider variety of ways to reach kids from wherever they are, because there's probably a big variety of where they are in any given classroom, Sunday school room. What goes into equipping teachers for Sunday school? I know that's, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into that, but uh, yeah, what, from your perspective? I think a, a variety of different types of resources can help. Enduring Faith, for example, there are three kind of bullet points. <laughs> if, if you need a five, you know, 30 second brief on what this lesson is, here's a paragraph, but also here's the Bible passage. And also we encourage you to look at this section of Lutheran Study Bible. And so depending on what that volunteer is able to do at that given moment, they can kind of see what they have. Also, what we've learned is to try to the theological points in bullet points, because a lot of the volunteers, they they know how to, you know, engage with kids and they know to know how to show them that they are loved and welcomed and all those kinds of things. But they're not always as confident in, well, what do I say about this Bible passage and what are the points I need to make? So we try to make that as clear as possible by using things like bullet points and just make sure as you're talking about this lesson, you're covering these two or three main truths and and then they're learning something of substance to really help them feel confident in teaching the faith. Mm-hmm. So you're a Sunday school teacher, aren't you? I am. Yes, I try to practice what I what I preach, and I'm in Sunday school teaching also. Yeah. How long have you been teaching? 
Oh, that's a good question. I don't Going know. Going off script here. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say probably at least five or six years. There's okay. been different times where I've taught other things at other times, you know, different Bible classes and what have you. But specifically Sunday school at this particular church. Gosh, it's been more than that. Just time flies, doesn't it? Well, my husband's been at this church for nine years, so a mm. little bit less than that. But it's been great because I also volunteer as a substitute teacher, like a last mm. minute, oh my goodness, somebody can't come. So in, in addition to the, the lessons that I already have scheduled out to teach, I also sub, which means I get to teach a variety of levels. Mm. So it's good for me to see how Sunday school works for different ages as well. I was going to say, how, what have you learned over your time actually being in a Sunday school classroom yeah. since, since you work with this too? Well, one of the things that is just priceless for any educator regardless is enthusiasm goes a long way if you're excited then the kids will be excited listening to their questions is is exciting because even if you don't know the answer immediately it's okay to say that and say let me look in the bible and we'll come back to you on that to show them that it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to find out those answers and things like the bible i think another thing is just be willing to be flexible i think Many Sunday schools are a lot like our Sunday school in that we're getting a greater diversity in kids and their backgrounds. And so to just be willing to make sure that kids feel loved when they come in mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and to not make assumptions about, assumptions about what they know. Strangely, this is a one that seems counterintuitive, but especially in summer Sunday school, when we have more kids together in a ver- bigger variety of ages, I actually do the craft first, which I know sounds crazy. <laughs> it sounds like dessert, maybe, but here's why. Kids tend to come at different times of the day. They're not always coming in exactly the same time during the summer, especially. And so if they're doing a craft, it's what we sometimes call an anticipatory set, which is an education term for get kids excited about what you're about to teach them. And so (laughs) while they're doing their craft, you can talk to them. Yeah, you're doing this particular thing today because you're making this lamb because we're going to talk about how we are like you know, sheep and Jesus is our shepherd. And we're going to learn more about that in the lesson. And so then they're going ahead and starting and then somebody else is going to come in and they're going to start working. And it's just a nice way for them to feel welcomed and a nice way for to make sure that they know the main points. And I actually make sure that I talk about the main objectives before we even talk to teach the lesson. Like, okay, I've covered these objectives. Great. Now, when we get into the story and the Bible account, we'll make sure we get through all of that. But by that time, most of the kids are there too. So we're not missing out on some of those things. <laughs> With just about a minute left, what would you like? What else do you want us to know about Sunday school? I mean, obviously, check out the great article in the Lutheran Witness September issue. Anything else? Sunday school is changing, and that's okay. Your church may look different from what it did 30 years ago. Your Sunday school may look different from what it did 30 years ago. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You have new neighbors to love. So prayerfully consider how best to love them, and you can always reach out to me. I'm very happy to answer questions because there are many ways to make sure that the kids in your life learn about Jesus. Lisa Clark, Senior Editor for Curriculum Resources at Concordia Publishing House and co-author of the article. We, we should mention yes. the co-author for this article. Deaconess well. Anna Johnson, she's fabulous and wonderful and just couldn't be here today, but she's super helpful too. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being here today and sharing this great article with us. My pleasure. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere.